God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Christ Place. Here's Pastor Rick Lorimer. As a church, we've been walking through the Gospel of John, and we like doing that. We like literally letting the Scriptures speak. And last week, we were in a passage where it's a Last Supper, and Jesus announces that somebody at his table is going to betray him. And that's kind of where we left off. We talked about betrayal last week and how devastating that can be. If you have your Bibles right with you right now, turn with me to John. Yes. John's gospel. We love scripture. Chapter 13. We're jumping down to verse 31. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the son of man to enter his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give him his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Now listen to kind of a little change of tone here. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I am going to give you a new commandment, love each other, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, and this is an amazing promise, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my what? My disciples. Verse 36, Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? I'm ready to even die for you. Verse 38, Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. There's so much uncertainty and there's so much turmoil even in our world. Let's just think about it briefly. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but but how many remember the world pandemic? And we're still kind of like the aftermath of it and the isolation from it and all the different aftermath effects of it. I, the post-traumatic pandemic stress that we're seeing, that I'm seeing in people's lives. And then you've got the political polarization stacking on top of that. I mean, I don't know about you, but just looking at the next election cycle is going to be a challenge for us, right? We just know it is because the sensationalism and the, per- and the character assassinations, I mean, it's all going to be going on and it's going to be at a fevered pitch. So we got the world pandemic. We got political polarization on top of that. We got a world at war. I mean, right now, Russia is still invading Ukraine, trying to force itself on Ukraine. And while many of us may be very comfortable where we're at, though affected by the economy, there's a world at war because whether we want to recognize it or not, there is a, there is a cyber espionage war being, right now being waged between the superpowers. We're a world at war. Then you stack upon that the fact that we have this economic uncertainty where our American dollar is, is going less far and interest rates are rising. And then, man, let's just stack one more thing on there. How about the social, you know, the whole idea of the social deconstruction? You know, so all this going, so you add the world stage and you suck it into our personal lives and we have our health issues. You've got your, your work, tensions and responsibilities and stress. And you've got your friendships right now that seem somewhat discombobulated. There's so much going on. There's uncertainty. There's tension. There's anxiety. Is the answer really all you need is love? So let's go back to the setting of the disciples. Their world was in turmoil. They're, They're not even home. 
They're, they live in Galilee, but they're in Jerusalem. They're seated, around, they're seated around this table, and Jesus has just got done telling them that one of them is going to betray him. His inner circle, they've, they've, man, they've lived life together for the last three years, and one's going to betray them, and they're not sure who it is, and they're kind of asking, is it me? And, and Judas ends up leaving the table, and then you just got the 11, and Jesus has been talking kind of apocalyptically, and like things are going to change, and so they're already, you know, kind of concerned, and Jesus' death threats have been increasing, you know, a, and then, then Jesus starts talking about how the Father's going to be glorified and the Father's going to give him glory. And it's all kind of mysterious. It's adding to their anxiety. And then he kind of changes the tone and he says, dear children. It's like, I'm trying to prepare you here. You know, I'm going to a place that you can't go. And so does, do disciples say, well, wait a second, why are you talking about a new commandment when we're just, we're uncertain about the future? I mean, Peter doesn't even catch it. Peter says, oh, where are you going, Jesus? I want to go. Man, Lord, I, I'm so committed to you. I'll die for you. And then Jesus is like, I love what Jesus does. It's like, time out, Peter. Let's come back to earth, all right? Not only will you deny me, but before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And there's, there's, that's all going on. And, and yet Jesus says, man, in the midst of all that, the key is to love one another. He gives them this new commandment, even though they're dealing with personal stress and anxiety. And he says, hey, even if you're going to betray me, don't betray my idea for the church. Because the church, how you love one another, is going to be a window to the soul of my hope for the world. So what I'd like to do in the next few minutes is, I want us to try to get a handle on that. And so it is, three things I'd like to describe for you how we can practice this love with one another. If God's love, this agape love is really action, and it's a verb, then let's look at how we can be active with one another. And so just going to give you three practical things. It's not going to go long here, but I want you to lean in and listen and begin to ask yourself, how can I apply this to my own life? So here's the first way we can love one another the way Jesus loved his disciples. We need to be gritty. Be gritty. Jesus is saying, man, no matter how crazy the world gets, no matter what happens with the economy, no matter what goes on in the political realm of your own city, you have to find a way to love one another. You've got to find a way to love each other in spite of your differences. You know, it's easy to love someone who looks like you, who talks like you, who votes like you. It's quite different to love somebody who is nothing like you. That's the love. And he's wanting us to see this love fleshed out in our lives. It's not that we don't address sin. It's not that we don't talk about truth. But it's all of that and then some. We love someone, though we may disagree with them. No matter how frustrated we get with one another, we love. No matter how disappointed you are with a leader, you love someone in the body of Christ. It's not an abstract love. It refuses to give up on one another. It's not about being an armchair world changer where you can just criticize and critique People in the body of Christ, you love the very people you want to critique. 
Let's not forget how different these disciples were, right? Come on, just think with me for a moment. This was a pretty eclectic, crazy group of disciples. I mean, on one side, you had, you had a zealot. A zealot in Jesus' day was somebody who was like a terrorist, terrorist to Rome. They wanted to overthrow Rome and the government of Rome and reestablish, man, Israel and the promised land. They were all about changing the government, even if it meant killing people to do so. You had a zealot. And then on the opposite side of this political spectrum, you had a man who was in cahoots with the Roman government who was becoming rich as a tax collector working for Rome. And they're together at the same table. And let's not stop there. You have this really obnoxious guy who gets on your nerves. He's always loud. He's always jumping in, saying things that he probably should never say. His name is Simon Peter. (laughs) And then we got our resident cynic. You know, resident cynic, this guy named Thomas. And let's not forget the family dynamics. I'm looking at Jesus' disciples. I'm thinking, Lord, what were you thinking? You got two sets of brothers. And two of them are always trying to manipulate the situation to get closer to Jesus. We want to be the special ones. We want to be the special ones. They even use their mom. Like, this is not a real emotionally intelligent group. And Jesus is telling them what, when everybody else is running, come back to the table. Do what I'm doing right now. Find a way to connect and communicate and love one another. This is what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying that the only tangible hope that the world has to know my love is that they see it in you. Even when humanity is going to kill the son of God and all you want to do is run and hide, come back to the table. Come back to the table. The greatest tool for world evangelism is you finding a way to love your brothers and sisters in this room. You doing that well is worth a hundred evangelists. But if all we do is come in and leave, we check a box and we become a consumer, what can church give me? And we don't show a way to love each other even amidst the differences then we lose an opportunity to show the world what the love of God looks like. John Lennon wrote that song, All You Need Is Love. I keep wanting to sing it, but I would really hurt your ears. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The problem with that is not everybody knows what love is. I don't even know if John Lennon knew what it was. I think it was some abstract thing that somehow it, 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 it covers everything and And yet Jesus demonstrated a love that can change a world. This agape love, but it's gritty. It's gritty love. I know that some have disassociated themselves with the church or organized Christianity. I know that. I even get it. I mean, there's a lot of people right now checking out a church or saying, well, I don't want nothing to do with organized Christianity. And and yet they love God. And they they have great reasons. And many, I would probably say, yes, yes, that's accurate. That's correct. I mean, some have left, some have checked out a church because they didn't find a spot at the table for them. Others have left the church because of the table talk and it became politically toxic. Others have left the table because they didn't feel like there was enough talk about politics. And still others have left the table just because the pastor didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. 
or the table talk didn't talk about what they wanted to talk about. And I can't speak for other churches, but I can tell you right now, for us at Christ Place here, we want to get really good at loving one another and being gritty with our love, which means we're better together, not in spite of our differences, we're better together because of our differences. You can love someone who's easy to love, but that's not agape. You get something back from it. What happens when you, you love someone and you get nothing back? That's agape. So we got to be this gritty. We got to have this gritty kind of love. And, and I would tell you that we as a church and God's people around the table, we're called the reconciliation, not cancellation. And when you leave God's church or you decide to disconnect and go Lone Ranger, I'm, I'm asking you to come home. Because we're a diminished church without you. We are called the body of Christ. Just think of the imagery of that. If someone plays the Lone Ranger or decides they're going to disconnect from a local church, then what happens is not only segregation, but an amputation. And God wants his church, man, coming together, being around the table, loving one another. We're just stronger together. The synergy that can happen. So that's the first thing. Let's be gritty. Here's the second thing. And it gets home a little bit more, a little more practical here. Let's be attentive. Let's love one another the way Jesus did by being attentive. I mean, Jesus was all there to the point where he would just focus on Peter. Rather than even knowing his death or his arrest and his crucifixion, he was still focused, man, on Peter and trying to help Peter deal with his own emotional intelligence, his own emotional maturity. Now, I'm going to be honest, this is really hard for me. Because I'm just a smidgen ADD. Okay, maybe I'm a lot ADD. I, you ever seen a movie Up and they got that dog? Squirrel! Okay, everything is a squirrel to me. It's like, I've told people in the risers before. I, sometimes before church, I'll just head up there and, and, and just to, to meet people and hang out. And I'm, I'm really honest with them. I couldn't, bless you who were able to sit in the risers. I couldn't do it. I'm so ADHD. Man, I'm talking first person sneezes up here. I see a hand move or I see a body move. I'm like, squirrel. I mean, I couldn't do it. So everybody on the floor, will you clap for those in the risers? We, God bless you, you know? To be attentive, to show attention. It doesn't come easy. I grew up in a home where my dad was always going, hubba hubba. How many of you ever heard of that before? Hubba hubba. My dad was always about the destination. Didn't matter how we got there, we're going to get there fast. Hubba hubba. And that's kind of been my life in some ways. I, I have to resist the hubba hubba mindset. Here, Jesus is on the brink of being murdered. The genesis of the church is taking place. And he says, get around the table and enjoy the journey. It's crazy. Love one another. Be gritty, but yeah, be attentive to each other and to give someone your full attention. See, Jesus was saying, I don't want you to be hubba hubba. I want you to hang out at the table. Pastor Terry would often say this to our pastors, which I thought was such good pastoral counsel. He would say, hey, when you're in the lobby, in the foyer, walk slow. I mean, that's great advice. But I'm going to, this is confession time. I don't walk anywhere slow. I've got that in DNA, hubba hubba. I'm in a mindset. I'm on a mission to get somewhere and... And you know what? That's a detriment. I've had people, I've had some of you before come to me and say, man, pastor, I saw you in the supermarket and I wanted to say hi, but like you were on a mission. Yes, I was. (laughs) 
I'm driving in the car. Sure, I'm paying attention to the road, but I'm not going to wave at you. I'm on a mission. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's kind of my makeup to some degree. But, but I think sometimes we have that with church. We, our, we think our mission is just to show up, give God some glory, try to grow, learn something we can about Scripture. And hubba hubba. What if the whole purpose of you being here is that God wants you to be attentive to one person? To look them eyeball to eyeball. Have you ever been in a conversation before and it's like you're there and you're talking to them but their eyes all of a sudden go from here to and you're like, no. You want to grab their face and go, here, right? Okay, I, I got to confess, I've been both, right? I've been the person who's like, squirrel, you know? But I've also been the person where someone is, they're looking at me but they're not really looking at me. You know what the eyes say? The eyes say, I see you. And when they stop bouncing and they just focus, they even notice the smile. They also see the person either taking notes or doodling. <laughs> He's my friend, I'm teasing him. What if we would be gritty? We'd be attentive. Oh, man. I, I, I just think it'd be so cool if before we left here today, where we got to know a people in like a 10-foot radius of where we sit. Because most of you sit in the same places. You guys get that? Most of you do. Now, some of you like mix it up and really try to throw the preacher off. But most of you are in the same place. What if you just said, okay, within the, like 10 people in my radius, behind me, in front of me, I'm going to get to know their names. And what if you just some real practical things, like you tried to love them with a word, a look, and a touch? So what if, what if you actually make sure you, that you will let your eyes rest on their eyes? So you say, I see you. And if you're uncomfortable with eye contact, just do the, the manly thing of, so. But, but what if you just love them with a look? Right? Love them with a look. Like, I, I get you're here. And then what if you took it one step farther, you loved them with a word? And you said, hey, my name is. If you don't want germs, just go, my name is. You know? Or fist pump. You know, but hey, my name is. Just with a word. Or hey, how, how, what's your name? Or how long have you been coming to Christ's place? Um, pre-think some, some of you right now, your anxiety just has gone up as I'm talking about this. <laughs> but what if you punch the anxiety in the face? And you say, I'm going to love someone the way Jesus loved people, even amidst the crises and the craziness of our world that my whole purpose for this day could be just to see someone, to with a word greet someone, to be kind to someone. And then a touch. I'm not talking about full frontal hugs. You know, although there are a couple of you, man, you do that. I love that. I love getting hugs from you that way. You lift me off the ground. My back cracks. It's awesome. But, um, but what if you just did some high fives or you fist bump? Or here's something I try to do. My wife commented about this regarding me. I didn't realize it. Usually in our connect group, our small group, before I sit down, I always try to just get around and touch everybody. Sometimes just a pat on the back or, or it's a fist bump or, a, or it's, if it's a guy, I hit him in the arm. What, you know, just because touch says, hey, not only do I see you, but I'm here with you. Something beautiful when it's safe and it's secure and it's love. 
So we, we love with a gritty love. We love with this, this, this whole attentive love. But here's the third thing we could do to, to love the way Jesus loves. Because all we need is love. If that's really, we do if it's Jesus' love. So what is it? Well, we have a generous love. We'd be generous. My prayer has been that we as a church would grow in our generosity. Some of you are wondering why we're doing another campus when we still can do more services here or we have a Van Doren campus. Because, you know, we have people in that part of the city that they will never drive even 20 minutes to come to church. And, and, and you know what? We want to release people into ministry. And I want pastors being raised up. And, and I want local churches taking more ownership for their neighborhoods. And, and we just want to be generous. We just want to be generous. That's just a big deal. We want to be generous. And, and Jesus, man, he didn't have a lot of time left, but you notice how he hung with his disciples until someone took him away from them. Be committed to your local church until the day you die. Make them have to carry you out. Now, hopefully not from the service, but make you carry you out. <laughs> You're so committed to, to being generous of giving of yourself. Matter of fact, if you study the, local, the early church, you'll find that even the word koinonia, which is the word in, in Acts chapter two, in Acts, the book of Acts is used quite a bit for the early church. It, it implies this idea of giving of yourself sacrificially. It, it's, it's even less about money and it's more about your life being given away. That you're looking for ways to, to use your, your skills to bless somebody in the body of Christ. What if God wanted somehow for you to see someone here who's in need and, and you look for ways to meet other people's needs that you get to know in the church and you get no tax credit for it, but you're just being generous with maybe your skill set can fix a sink or, or it can mow a lawn. You're just generous with your time. You know, for me, that's the most precious resource I have. When I give up my time and I, have, I expect nothing back from it, that's generosity. How about this? If you invite some people over to your home, there's a couple of good things that happen there. One, you have to clean your home up. But here's the other good thing. You get to practice what the Bible calls hospitality. And hospitality is about being generous. It's about inviting somebody into where you live. Being generous. With our time, our skills, and yeah, our, our, our finances. And, and I know we have some guests here today and you're thinking, oh, pastors, one is money. Well, we, we talk about money. Listen, I can't speak for other pastors. I talk about money because it's less about what I want from you, it's more what I want for you. The Bible says in Scripture that where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And I would be, I would be a, I'd be an unhealthy shepherd if I didn't want to see your heart being focused on what matters to Jesus. Jerry was talking about, about, you know, the miracle offering weekend and, and all of us praying about what we're to do and and for me, it's about having a yes face with Jesus. It's like, Lord, whatever you tell me. If it matters to Jesus, it matters to me. That's really what it's all about. And so vision builders, and by the way, I want to say this. Vision builders is your opportunity for, to participate in loving people you may never see the side of eternity. And it's your way of saying, I'm going to love people at the table that maybe I don't even know are at the table yet. We have a saying here around here at Christ's place that we sacrifice what we love for what we love more. And we just love Jesus the most. And if it means one less latte a week for a month, I'm going to do that. 
if it means a car payment, a house payment, if it means something for my savings that is sacrificial, I'm going to do it. And some of us, I know we don't have a lot. And there's some of you, you feel pressure immediately and you shouldn't. Because for some of you, a dollar would be a sacrifice. And you need to know something. When you give that dollar, if it's a sacrifice, it's worship to God. Because he sees your heart. So it's not about us all giving the same amount. It's, it's about equal sacrifice, not equal amounts. And that's the kind of church we are. We want to have the love of God. We want to practice it on one another. And I think that's what God wants for us today. And the hard thing is, I know there are some of us here right now, and you hear me talk about the love of God. The, you know, love is all you need. Um, all you need is love. Well, it sounds good. But if you've never experienced the love of God firsthand, then it's still just a slogan for you. And I'm telling you, you when you, when you experience the love of God, and, I, and some of you need to pause for a moment because you think your faith is all about just coming to church or a certain doctrines and having academic beliefs. No, God wants you to experience his love. And he wants a church that is exploding with his love and knows how to practice it with one another. And so there's some of us here today, you don't know his love. You, you may know about God, but you don't know his love. And, and that love is a love that can break you free from, from maybe a, a lifestyle of dysfunction where all your life is consumed about yourself and it's proud and it's selfishness and you're, you're taking care of yourself. You'll maybe take care of those in proximity of you. But other than that, man, don't mess with me. And I'm here to tell you there's more for your life that God's love wants to so impact you that it changes up your whole understanding of your purpose in life. But it starts with understanding of God loves me. If you're here this morning, and you don't know his love, I'd love to pray with you. Because there's nothing you can do to get him to love you any more than he does right now. Did you hear that? You don't, you don't clean up your life, then get his love. You don't go and repair all the broken relationships and then get his love. You don't give a certain amount of money and then feel like you can get his love. No, it starts with you being humble. Look at me, humble, to where you're so brutally honest about your own pride, your own selfishness. And, and when you get that, when you say, man, my God wants to love me in spite of that, that's him practicing love on us. That's us all of a sudden experiencing his love that God will forgive you of your sin and begin this beautiful relationship with you, man that gives you a seat at the table. And then you're no longer going to be this armchair warrior sitting on your sofa deciding how the world's going to change. You're a part of the change. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Rick Lorimer from Christ Place. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.